What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Mindset and Margins podcast. And if you're new to the channel or you just found me through YouTube or you found me through one of the platforms that we provide through podcasting, my name is James and I am a consultant for care homes as well as I own a care home that I've scaled to $50,000 a month and less than three years with just one property. And for my first episode and for this series of Mindset and Margins, I thought what better way to start it than to discuss really the journey the pitfalls, the mindset, everything that I went through really to get to this point that actually led me in this business to where I am now. So what I first want to discuss is really my journey, right? And to be really honest with you, it's not different from anybody else's. Most entrepreneurs, I feel like have the same story every single time they get on the podcast and it's cliche, but I got to say it. Mine is typical. Went to school, always did well. Typical thing that, okay, you do well in school, you go to college, you get a job, doctor, lawyer, accountant, whatever. You do a nine to five grind, you work for 30, 40 plus years, you retire and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to bash that against anybody. That's your dream. That's what you want to do. That's great. I've always kind of felt most of my life that that wasn't for me, but I just didn't know what was out there. Where I'm from, there's not a lot of opportunities that are seen to be different than either going pro or becoming a musician, whatever it is to be like a millionaire, to be really successful. And the only thing I found different than that was to go to college. So that's what I did, right? So like every entrepreneur, I went to college and about my sophomore year, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I started looking into podcasts. I started finding quote unquote gurus who were doing well already in life and it changed my life and I started to get into a lot of endeavors and it made me realize at that point that there's a lot more to life than just the nine to five grind I didn't want to do that that's when I realized that that's when I started looking up salaries and for me I don't know why but I always had a salary that I wanted to make at least 200,000 a year even when I was coming straight out of college I feel like most people who go to college don't even look into salaries they just pick a major and it's based on passion or whatever you want to call it but for me I saw that I made 200,000 plus a year I read rich dad poor dad and saw that yeah money's good but if you don't have a business you don't have right off you don't have et cetera, et cetera, it's you're playing in a whole different game. And the people that are really wealthy, what I started paying more attention to own businesses, invested in real estate, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I really got into. So at that point, about my sophomore year, I realized, hey, this is not really what I want to do, which at the time was pre-med. I didn't want to make 200,000 plus a year when I was 40 and have to do all that debt. I was like, you know what? Talk to my family. I switched into nursing and I knew I'll be able to make good money to then take that income and invest into real estate. So it's kind of like my, kind of like my middle ground with my family. So instead of dropping out like most kids do and kind of taking that more risky route. I was like, okay, I'm just going to just switch into nursing where I can still take care of people, provide the care. But then I'm also able to make six figures and invest that into different avenues. So that's what it really was for me in going down that point. So first, after you fast forward and going through everything that I really don't want to break down too much to make this video too long, a business and trying things, listen to bigger pockets. I got into real estate, right? That's one of the biggest things that Rich Dad Board Ass talks about. And for me, basically when I started looking at real estate, I'm going to be honest. I was like, yeah, it sounds good. But like everybody who I know is making the money I want to make, which is 200000 a year, they have like a lot of properties. And on top of that, I sort of realized that it has something else with it. Like, for example, I watch a lot of David Green and he's probably one of my favorite podcasters, him and obviously Brandon Turner and et cetera, et cetera, nine to five millionaire. And all of them have one other hustle that they do. So yeah, they do real estate, but now David Green owns a brokerage, right? Yeah, nine to five millionaire. He, and if you know who that is, you look him up. He, he does a lot of content as well. Yeah, he has real estate, but he's still a cop, I believe, right? Brandon Turner is probably one of the only ones, but now he has his investment. So I started noticing that when I noticed that I started doing research and I found out that, oh, it's because real estate is so volatile. Yeah, you can have a lot of properties, but you're making a couple hundred dollars a month and you have tenants that may move out. You have ACs that go out. You have maintenance that you have to do. And one huge breakdown could be the end of all your capital gains for that whole year, right? And I'm not saying real estate's not good. It's just when I saw that, and mind you, this is before Airbnbs and all this good stuff became popular, right? So this was when all was really talked about was traditional real estate. Midterm rentals, short-term rentals, Airbnbs, all that stuff really hadn't hit what it is today, right? It was just all started 
starting out, the people that talk about this now kind of started the assistant when I'm starting, when I'm going to get into my group home, my care homes around this time. So when I started to look around basically and realize that, okay, if I want to make six figures, I'm going to have to own a lot of homes and it's going to be slow and I'm probably going to have to work and probably till like in my thirties. And in my goal, and still is my goal was by my early to mid thirties, I want to be a millionaire. So that was already my goal when I was like 22 years old, right? I was like, okay, I got to get this thing going. I got to invest. I got to get these years back, right? I got to keep working all these years. And I didn't want to, as I mentioned, go through that. So I started to do research and I remember sitting down with my pops and we were talking and I was kind of like, I want to do real estate, but this, this and that. He's like, okay, I didn't want to force this upon you. I wanted you to make your own decisions. But basically, do you know who we call her Miss Smith? Basically, she is the richest lady that I've ever known. She became a millionaire in five years. He was like, you know, your grandma worked for her, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I used to go to the homes and all this good stuff. I seen people come out, but I didn't really know what it was. And he was like, yeah, basically she owns group home. And when he started explaining it to me, that's all I needed. That's always more personality. If you give me like a little bit of information, I can go find the rest of the information myself. So once he gave me that information, I took that, took it to my platform, started doing the research and I came against what I'm in California, which is RCFEs, residential care facilities for the elderly. And basically you have a home, single family home, you can own a duplex, triplex, whatever it is, but essentially you're taking care of people inside of a home. Essentially they're kind of like renting from you and it's like border care homes almost, depending on what state you're in, border care homes, group homes, care homes, all in the same. And basically you're charging them a certain rate to be in a room by themselves or sharing, et cetera, et cetera. And from that point, it changed my whole idea and what I wanted to do in my life because I was like, okay, this is perfect. I got the real estate so I can invest, but then I also have all the entrepreneurship that I want to do. So I finally can do everything I want to do in one. And again, my dad was like, I didn't want to tell you this. Cause I was like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? You had me running around figuring out what I want to do with real estate, but he didn't want to force anything on me. So finally figuring out that I took that from that point. So for the next year or so, I started researching everything I could about this business. And I found out this is what I want to do. So again, I stayed in nursing cause I was like, I don't want to need money to invest in real estate, but even in nursing, I already knew I want to, I already knew what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to nursing school. It was a three-year program. I got my BSN, my bachelor's in science of nursing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to work bedside for a little bit. And our term of bedside is just that typical nurse you see on TV, right? That takes care of the resident. That's considered bedside of nursing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to have a plan. Nursing school, I'm already applying for my license because in California, which we're going to get into, you have to be licensed. Some states you don't, but in California, obviously the most stringent, you have to be licensed for this. And it could take up to a year to two years, depending if you know what you're doing. So when I found out that information, brought down everything, I was like, okay, I'm going to apply about my midway through the year. My wife and I, my fiance at the time, we bought a house. I applied. I was already ready. So when I finished nursing school, I was able to work, take that income, invest it into the house, grow that business to what it is today. And that's really my story of how I've got it to $50,000 a month. But I really want to talk about and break down the challenges, what I went through in my journey, because I don't want to get on here like most people do who are trying to sell you something or trying to grow the channel or just make it seem so easy. This was not an easy route. This took time, right? And I want to talk about all that. I want to talk about the challenges, the pitfalls, everything I went through. So first I want to go through the challenges. One of the biggest challenges, if you decide to get into this business, is lack of information. And I forget which content guru says this, but basically the saying is you can't Google what I teach. And that's probably one of the most truthful things about the business I'm in. If you Google how to start an RCFE, how to start a group home in your area, you're going to have minimal sites. Most of them are just general, don't really tell you the nuances and things you're going to have to know. And really the big breakdown, to be honest, to get into this business for one, if you Google this business right now in your local area, I guarantee you're going to go to a site, you're going to Google how to open an RCFE, how to open up a group home. And I guarantee you there's not going to be a lot of information on there. A lot of it's going to be vague and it's not, it's not going to, not going to teach you the nuances. Trust me. I, I'm saying this because I've done it already. When I first started in 2017, 2016, like researching these businesses, I just put in how to open up a group home, how to open up RCFE and a couple of sites who sell consultant work came up, but it was like 10 steps and it was like, buy a home, turn it in. But like, it really didn't tell you the nuances. Like, for example, you need to know your ordinance. You need to know the codes. You need to know what the fire marshal requires of you before you buy a home. Because if you buy a home and you need to open up a group, 
brewery, you want to open up a group home in it, but let's say there's stairs and you're taking care of elderly people. Oh, you need to have some type of elevator, which is like thousands of dollars, right? It didn't explain all those nuances between the business. So I knew from off the top, that was BS. So I was like, okay, I have to find different ways. So I took courses and so forth, but a lot of them were upsells. A lot of them were like, okay, $500 for like the basic course, which kind of tells you how to run a business. But when it comes to procedures and SOPs and all of these things, policies, none of them came with that. And those things are 6,000, 10,000, 12,000, depending on who you have right it for you. And again, you would not know that until you get into the business. So I had to figure out all those things on my own. So one of the biggest challenges I had to deal with was lack of information. And it probably took me a year or two to figure it out all on my own, because again, there was no one really teaching it or teaching it well enough to where they really, you know, took care of you. And as I mentioned, I'm not going to say any names of the courses talk down to anybody, but a lot of the courses I took were cheap upfront, but they were charging 10, 15, 20,000 to get you connected with people who can actually write your procedures and policies, i.e., which is why I started my own business in this, which we'll get into later. But basically it's very, it's a lot of lack of information. The next thing, probably the biggest is gatekeeping. There's so much gatekeeping in this business. And I basically equate up two things. I'm not trying to talk stereotype or talk down to anybody, but it's just, it is what it is. The older generations gatekeep a lot, right? If you think about it, any business, let's fast forward before the internet. If there was any business that you wanted to learn about, what did you have to do? You had to find, let's be honest, one of the wealthiest white men in your city or area is probably two of them, two older white men who are probably in their fit, late fifties to early sixties, whatever it is, right? And some people are going to come from me, but I'm being honest. If you want to get in real estate at the time, you'd have to go to golf. You have to get into clubs and depending on gender, what race, whatever you are, you may not be able to get into those areas. So a lot of information was gatekeeped. A lot of it was not told to the general public. Now, of course, podcasts, courses, all these things, which is why off tangent, but we're going to get into that, which is why I hate when people talk about about courses and things like that, because I'm like, man, do you know that there wasn't YouTube and courses and et cetera, et cetera? A lot of stuff you know today, you would not know because people who were making money from this would not share it with you, right? If we were to go back and David Green was David Green 30 years ago and he wasn't on platforms teaching you, you wouldn't know any of this information. You have to pay him a lot of money or be in high places to connect with. So that's why I do not take advantage and I do not discourage anybody from taking courses, anything like that because of that reason. But I'm saying the courses that I took, they weren't good. And then when I went out to learn things, a lot of it was gatekeeped, right? So that was another stroke I really dealt with. Now, one of the biggest things about this business, which I'm going to get into, which is next, which is just as tough to get licensed, is it's so different depending where you are. So if someone in Texas is teaching you how to open up a home in California, there's going to be whole a lot of different laws, a lot of different regulations. There's so many different nuances and things that you have to look into that it's, you can teach it. Don't get me wrong. I can teach someone how to open up a business like this in Georgia. A, because California is more strict. So I'm probably going to teach you honestly how to open it up, I guess, essentially better in your area. But in most situations, especially in California, me learning from someone else, they don't have the same laws as I do. So dealing with these type of businesses was so difficult in the beginning. And so many people fail because A, in California, you have to have three months of operation cost to even apply. It's a thousand dollar non-refundable application fee, which means when you sign up for this, you're not messing around. You spend a thousand dollars. I don't care how much money you got. Like you're serious, right? And on top of that, the biggest one, you have to have a house before you even apply in this for this type of business. So you have to buy the house first. So what if you buy the house and in that area, it's an HOA that prohibits it, or there's ordinances that say you can't have these type of homes in here. There, there's so many different things, or you don't know how many residents you can have before you exceed the amount that's considered because in California, you can have six. I think in Texas is 10, Arizona is 10. There's so many different amount of residents you can have for home. And if you exceed that amount, you're no longer residential, you're considered commercial. This, trust me, man, there's so many things that again, I'm going to mention on this podcast, especially if you're in California, that you're going to want to tune into because over the years, over my six plus years of doing this, I still learn things every day that I didn't know before because on top of it being tough to get licensed, the next big struggle is that they're not 
it's the government, it's the government association, right? So they are employees that are government and I, you know, I worked in government employees, so I can talk down, talk about them a little bit. They slim, they tend to slow things down a bit. They tend to not really care as much. It's kind of like a black and white thing. It's like, I don't care what you're going through. I don't, do you have the money or do you have the fee? And if you don't, Hey, this is what it is, right? So dealing with those type of people are always difficult because with this business, it's not always black and white. Sometimes it's great. And they don't care about that. I'm dealing with one right now that I'm helping out an applicant with, and it's tooth and nail. And I've done this application process over and over and over, but every analyst is a little bit different. They have their own different rules. So it is always difficult to deal with them, but those are all the pitfalls and challenges I dealt with, which is lack of information, gatekeeping, tough to get licensed. All these, however, can be preventable. Of course, if you have the right person that's with you, which we're going to get into. Turning my business from a $50,000 a month business, it didn't start that way. In my area, depending on what type of residence you have, if you have ambulatory, which means that they're able to move mentally, physically on their own without any help, non-ambulatory, which means that they're either bed bound or maybe they have some type of mental disability that doesn't allow them to be able to escape if there's a fire, et cetera, et cetera. There's different regulations and rules you need for each one. Maybe do memory care, maybe do hospice, which is end of life care. There's so many different things between these businesses that you have to know, but it's also different income. So that's why I say up to $50,000 a month. And that's why I say, you know, you start a different way because you may be charging, you may have six residents and you charge each $4,000, right? Or some people may have six residents, but have dementia, uh, memory care, and they charge in my area, at least 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. And again, six times, eight, 48,000, 50,000 dollars a month, right? So it's different per home, depending on what type of staff you have. Some staff are licensed for that, or depending on how stressful or how hard you want your business. Because of course, if you have six residents that are all ambulatory, that are maybe like in their mid seventies, still able to function, still able to brush your teeth and do the hair. It's a lot less on your CNAs, a lot less on you and paperwork. But again, you're not making that much. Maybe you're only making at least in my area, 5,000. And of course that varies depending on where you are. So for me, it took time to get to where I was, but I feel like one of the big, biggest aspects that helped me. And of course, I'm going to say this. And again, it's going to sound cliche is that I actually reached out and network with people. So many people in this business want to start a home, get six residents, not talk to anybody, don't have a website, don't have a phone number, they're not on Google business. It's just a random home that's there, right? And a lot of them, that's what they do. And that's great. That's cool. But you never learn things that someone who's out there networking. Even though I have a tough time with the analysts and the government, you know, agencies, I talk to them and I build relationships with them and they help. I remember when I had, I remember when I had the ambulatory home, it was an analyst who told me, hey, you know, if you do X and Y things, you can get a waiver to also have memory care residents and you can almost double your income in a month. And I was like, oh, really? How do I do that? But that was for me calling every now and then and just asking like what other options are out there for me? Like, I know I'm licensed for this, but I've heard this, this and that, right? Being in forums, being in Facebook. And I know it's like a broken record because everybody says this, but I feel like that was one of the most important things. Networking led me to the right people. It gave me the right monthly income from a home that I wanted because again, I kept calling and scaling to this business with any group home. I feel like in any state, it starts at the base level, but getting to those other things that you need to add, you're going to have to talk to nurses, doctors, et cetera, et cetera not building the right relationship causes a lot of homes to fail because they just depend on being licensed, right? That's it. They think that just because they're licensed, the resident's going to just come in. It's going to be easy. They're going to get calls out of nowhere, which you do a little bit here and there. But I feel like if you're not getting two residents per month, it's because you're not marketing right. You should be getting at least, if you start this type of business, you're not getting at least two residents per month. You're not marketing hard enough. You're not doing the outreach. And that causes a lot of people to fail. I join forums, Facebook groups all the time, especially in smaller cities with less than like 5,000 population of people who've had been licensed for years, but never got a resident because they didn't market. They get on there, they're like, hey, you know, I've had this for two years, opened my home, signed up to a couple of placement agencies, which I'm gonna get into as well too. And I didn't get any residents. Like what happened? And people are like, well, did you outreach? Did you call doctor offices? Did you go to meetups? Did you, you know, reach out to families? Did you do cards? Did you 
email, anything, any, anything you do, did you do emails, Google ads, anything, nothing. And they expect to just fill up. But I feel like all that could be surpassed by just networking. If you network, you don't have to do any of those things. If you network with the right doctor, you only have a six bed, for example, in California. If you network with the right doctor and put in the right relationship, that person, he or she, that doctor can have you full all the time with the wait list. But a lot of people don't do that. And they are empty for months and they blame licensing or they blame the town, whatever it is, and they quit. But if you get into this business, don't let that be you. And that's why I'm starting this channel. I'm, I'm doing this podcast because I feel like a lot of people get into this business. A, well, there's two of them. There's real estate investors who want to get into short-term, midterm rentals. There's regulations going on that are preventing those. And now they're like, what else can I can do? This could be something else you do. If you've had your home shut down and you're like, well, now I only can do a rental. Like, no, especially if you're in a state, some states don't even require you to be like, like California, you can open up a home like that. You have the income, you can do it. I don't recommend it. I recommend kind of staying somewhere along the lines of California, but you can literally open up this home just calling your local agency and asking like, what are the steps to open up this home? And sometimes they're not as, most of the time they're not as stringent as what I'm teaching. So that's why I want to bring this for the real estate investor who is looking for another path to invest in that also increase their cash flow. And by the way, this is probably one of the best ones. Think about it. $30,000 a month. I say with 60 to 70% margins, like you're making more than you would have made with 30, 40, 50 homes, right? So that's the one number two is for the person who's already in this business but they're like man like i don't have any residents i'm not getting any residents that's what this is for so that's what this podcast is for and also on top of that what i'm doing to help those type of people because i've been asked so much i've been asked by a lot of investors like in forums and groups and stuff that i'm in like how do i get into this business because i also do don't get don't get it wrong i do short-term rentals i do midterm rentals i'm into that as well and traditional i feel like traditionally you should do some type of residential rentals that you can do that are just residential traditional that you're making 100 dollars on that's like long-term money. That's like 20 years from now, you kind of like place that money and kind of forget about it. At least for me, I see that money increasing with the rentals, but you shouldn't really have to touch it. So I'm doing this for them. I get asked this question so many times. How do I start this business? How do I get into it? That gave me an idea to create just a small mini course. It's how to attract your first two residents in 30 days. And it's for someone, again, real estate investor who's just starting out, doesn't know about it because you should be advertising your home way before you get a license. And then two is for the person who's been running this business for a while and it's not filling up like they're doing. So in this free, again, I'm not here to sell you a course. I know you're probably thinking like, oh, of course, he has a course now. It's, it's you know, how much is it? What is we get into? This course is 100% free. Of course, it is to obviously get you connected with me because I feel like once you take this course, there's no fluff. It's better than the courses that I pay for. I guarantee you're going to want to work with me after that. This course is just to get you started. It's 100% free. I'm going to be, it's going to be in the link. You can click on it. You can add yourself to the list. And if I get enough people, I'm going to, if I get enough comments, likes, or people who are added to the list, I will offer this course. If not, it is what it is. I still provide the information, but I feel like this, what I'm offering how to attract a residence, the first two residents in 30 days is one of the missing pieces for a lot of people's business. If you know how to market right, you know how to connect with the right people. And what I mean by that is networking with medical professionals is the best way and most efficient way to fill up your home. Not placement agencies, not local placement agencies that I'm going to go through because there's national like care, care for mom and place for mom. And it's also just the ones who are local that go out and find residents for you. All those are great, but they're not the best way. To me, the best way is to get out there yourself, make phone calls, network with people. And I'm going to give you templates. I provide courses and videos of how to do all of that because I feel like that's the most important way. So now that that's out the way, just to recap and bring it up, creating a business that's always going to have you financial freedom is possible with just one home. I find that's important to say. $50,000 a month with a high margin business. A lot of people can't say that. A lot of people run businesses where it's not that great of margin. I don't care how much you make in your business. If you make seven figures, if you're only making $80,000 a year after everything is paid. I didn't want that. I wanted a business that's you have a large margin you have where you can invest. And if you make, it doesn't have to be 50, it can be 30, 20,000 a month. And especially if you got some great 
hybrid and you work in it, this is one of the best businesses to be into. You have the financial freedom, you have your family time, and you get to be an investor with properties and make more than somewhere 50 plus properties. You can own one of these businesses and with the right licenses, the right waivers, the right connections, you're making more than an investor with 50 plus homes and headaches and changing toilets and dealing with all those other things. And again, not bad. I'm just saying, if you want to compare that, and then also on top of that, compared to Airbnb properties, you don't have to deal with regulations, rules. These businesses have been around for decades. There's written rules and regulations. You can pull them up. And by ordinance, it tells you what type of home you can have. If you can have a yes or no, if it's a residential, commercial, it's licensed for all of that. This business has been around for years. It's not like midterms and short-term rentals where you can pull this money into a home and it never opens. Now, again, I mentioned, I'm not talking down any of these. I'm just giving you the examples of what goes through my mind because yes, I do traditional. Yes, I do short-term rentals. I do more arbitrage because I don't want to have to deal with the headache if I do one across state and it closes down. I don't want to do all that. So that's why I'm offering all of these. So I hope this information has been great to you. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow the channel. Again, Mindset and Margins Podcast. We're going to be going over a bunch of topics from myself of Mindset, how to open up this business. I'm bringing people on as well to share other revenues that you can use in real estate that doesn't have to be the traditional or just the Airbnb that you hear about. All these are going to be offered. So make sure that you take advantage of this. And remember, you can scale properties. You can do this. See you next time.